you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Our guest today is an American businesswoman, health advocate, public speaker, and private sector consultant who is striving to create a legacy for her children, establish financial wealth and freedom, and empower young women around the world. Welcome, Ebony Kareem. Thank you, Dr. Francis. It's Kareem. Thank you for correcting me. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your business? Absolutely. So I was uh, born in Colorado, but raised primarily in the Midwest. Uh, my formative years I spent in Michigan, uh, and then attended undergraduate school in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I have been in the public sector uh, industry for about 20 years, uh, primarily in the information technology space, specifically uh, within contracts and acquisition management. And uh, roughly about seven or eight years ago, I decided to leave as an employee and branch off and open my own consulting firm. And I was reading your background, Ebony, you have a pretty extensive um, bio from, you know, doing federal contracting, you're an author, you have a best-selling book, you are a mom, a wife. Uh, um, so you have a lot going on. Talk about that transition from going from an employee to the boss? Wow. Okay. Great, great question. So um, I, I think the transition for me was, was very natural. Um, I have been fortunate enough to work in an environment where I've always been able to connect with a mentor. So my, my earlier years in the consulting, you know, market, just learning about the industry, uh, learning the ins and outs of government contracting kind of allowed me to place myself in, in, in certain areas where I was able to learn from more seasoned people. So that that transition was, um, I would say, kind of made to be, even though earlier on, I never really saw myself in the IT space. I went to school to study medicine. So my initial career goal was to become a pediatric oncologist. But of course, that changed after I um, graduated from undergrad and I kind of got thrown into the business world. Um, but, you know, being in the public sector space uh, kind of allowed me to, you know, network and <clears throat> Um, follow closely with people who were more seasoned. Um, so, so that was a natural progression for me. Talk about that aha moment or that story when you knew your business was going to be successful. Uh, I would say probably maybe around year seven or eight of being uh, in the consulting world where I felt like I had obtained enough knowledge um, to be able to sit on the other side of the table. You know, prior to that, I had always worked as a liaison for the government, you know, so I worked on their behalf, 
spoke on their behalf, made uh, legal decisions on their behalf as it pertained to procuring products and services from vendors. So once I was able to grasp that knowledge, you know, I said, why can't I, you know, do this for myself? <laughs> so, so that was really the aha moment when I figured out, you know what, I can, I can be my own boss. Talk about raising capital for your business. Well, fortunately, being on the professional services side of the house, I really didn't need a whole lot of capital. Um, I'm, I'm able to work virtually. You know, I didn't need a brick and mortar building. Um, m- most of my work is um, virtual. So those moments where I needed to make, you know, client visits or, or, or hold meetings, I have co-working space that I use for that. So fortunately, um, I didn't have to raise a whole lot of capital. Um, so I was able to do that on my own. Fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because. Wow. Um, Thank you, pandemic, for numerous reasons, right? Um, Again, I can say the pandemic was very good to me. Fortunately, um, you know, I didn't lose any close loved ones or friends. Um, Again, being in the federal space, um, it's a recession-proof industry, right? So I was never in any fear or doubt of losing clients, um, not being able to get funding because of the space that I'm in. So I work very closely with mission-critical services, right? So these are services that is pertinent for the government to be able to do their job every day. Um, So with that, you know, I was able to kind of navigate a little bit. I actually used that time to write my first ebook, which launched back in March during Women's History Month of, of, of last year. So, you know, it enabled me a lot of different, uh, you know, other opportunities where um, I could scale my business and then also kind of go outside the box a little bit. And you moved into the health and wellness space. Talk about that. I did. So oddly enough, I had a very close high school friend of mine who is in the physical fitness and nutrition space. And um, he had reached out to me for some consulting, right? He had wanted me to kind of help scale his business. Um, And then that really turned into a partnership where we determined that, we would use my skill sets and, and knowledge in the ex- executive space and marry that with his knowledge in the wellness arena and come up with a executive wellness program. So, so that's how the Embark- Embarkus Wellness kind of came about. So we came up with a 360 degree approach to wellness, which comprises of physical fitness, nutrition, and mental health. That is awesome. Welcome, Charles. Thank you for joining in. And if you have a question, let us know. And um, we will be glad to um, answer your questions or if you have a comment. So that is beautiful. So with your um, uh, wellness business, is it 
is it regional, global? How does that work? Well, it is it is regionally based here out of the Washington, D.C. area, but we are a full service concierge program. So we, unlike most corporate executive wellness programs where you as the client has to physically go to a facility, we have our uh, team of practitioners that will come to you. So right now we're, we're still locally based. Um, ideally moving forward, you know, we, we would like to uh, expand our network. Um, but right now we're focused with a partnership that we have here with um, Bowie State University uh, here in Maryland, where we offer wellness in schools. Excellent. What problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? Oh, goodness. Just one. <laughs> I know, um, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of things. Um, I would say one that I think I could ideally tackle or participate in would be the lack of representation um, in the STEM field, right? So specifically as it pertains to young black and brown children in underrepresented communities who don't have the resources or tools um, in order to participate, you know, in those extracurricular activities that will give them a, you know, leg up. Um, so, so that the, the field of science and technology is, is very dear to my heart. You know, previously I spoke about, you know, my lifelong passion of, of, of going into medicine. Um, but I think my transition from the science world in the technology space um, has, has allowed me to combine the best of both worlds. Charles, did you have a question you wanted to ask? Charles, can you hear us? Did you have a question? Okay, we will move on. Ebony, there are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or a business that's dominating that you admire. Good question. A brand that I admire. Um, so in the tech space, I don't really have a particular brand. Um, I do admire uh, some phenomenal um, women executives who are in the tech space. Um, and those individuals I follow and look up to very closely, but in, in terms of, you know, a particular brand, I don't really have one. Um, I'm, I'm mostly connected to the individual. So I'm, I'm very closely networking with, you know, other women in tech, specifically black women in tech, um, just to kind of keep, you know, abreast on the latest and greatest in the industry. And then I take some of those tips and I implement that in, into what I'm doing with the children here in uh, Maryland. What is the best advice you were ever
Oh, the best advice I would say would probably do, you know, even, even if you're scared to take a risk, do it anyway, right? I, I, I think most people who know me very closely um, would say that I'm a risk taker, but I am a calculated risk taker. So, <laughs> so by default, um, I'm very ana- analytical. So, I, you know, I do a deep dive, you know, I do tons of research, ask questions um, before I make the final jump. But even when I'm afraid, I do it anyway. Uh, and and I tell my children the same thing, um, even my students, you know, even if you think you're going to fail, you never know if you don't try. Um, so that's kind of like the mantra that I live by. So with the students that you are um, coaching or mentoring in STEM in your area, are you guys virtual or are are you guys in person? Well, um, unfortunately, due, due to COVID, we had to move to a virtual platform, um, you know, which which impacted our overall student participation. But over the summer, we had a pretty good turnout. Typically, we we hold a cybersecurity a capstone program uh, on the campus of Bowie State. And typically we have between 800 to 1,000 high school students attend. Um, This past summer, of course, due to COVID, we had to move virtually. So we were only able to get about 250, but it was still an amazing turnout. Um, And, you know, we, we got some great positive feedback. So Hopefully, you know, we will like to return to, you know, in-person learning, but um, we just have to wait it out. What is the best decision you've made as a leader? The best decision I've made as a leader is trusting others and learning how to delegate. Um, I think those two are the strongest attributes um that a leader can possess you know and and especially as a small business owner right like like our our business um is our baby right so (laughs) it's like (laughs) entrusting someone to care for your newborn um but in doing that you kind of limit yourself right when you when you want to hold those strings very you know very close so I, i would say definitely uh trusting others, allowing others to show you their capability, and then learning how to delegate. The word is listening, Ebony. What is that resounding sound or message that your generation is saying that we should be listening to? Wow, good question. Let me think. Um, My generation... So I'm a 70s baby. So let's see. Um, I would say, you know, in the in the age of technology now, um, with just the amount of resources available that, you know, I didn't have when I was coming up, um, I would say learning to think outside the box, right? And um allowing the younger generation, you know, to kind of step in and teach us some things. You know, I I learn from my students all the time. You know, they 
amaze me with the knowledge that, that they possess at 12 and 13 years old. Um, and I think if we would be just a little bit more open-minded, you know, we could learn from them as well. Um, we want to see if there's any callers that have a question or a comment um, before we before I ask another question. Any listeners that would like to ask a question, feel free to unmute yourself. Charles, did you have a question? You're on mute if you did. Okay. What is one valuable lesson that you wish you knew, Ebony, before starting your own? One valuable lesson. Um, hmm. It's probably a few. I'm trying to think of the most valuable one. You know, I would say probably to um, trust in myself more. Um, you know, not, not be afraid, um, to make a decision, right. Um, and not second guessing myself. I think, you know, again, for entrepreneurs, specifically black women, um, we tend to second guess ourselves a lot, right. Not being sure, you know, whether this is the right choice, um, so I would say definitely, yeah, uh, you know, trusting in my own capabilities and my own decision-making skills. Absolutely. What is your zone of genius? Hmm. Zone of genius. Could you elaborate on that? It's like, what is your superpower? Oh, wow. Um, I would say... I am everybody's cheerleader, right? So I am the number one fan. I'm on the sidelines. You know, I'm holding the pom-poms. Um, I'm cheering you on. And I, I I think most of my friends and family would, would also agree with that. Okay, Ebony, talk about motherhood, marriage, and managing a business. Ooh, things that most women struggle with, right? So <laughs> I would say <laughs> the I mean, I guess three that, M's. Look, look, that is also a superpower, right? Um, you know, I, I've, I've been very blessed to have an amazing support circle. You know, first and foremost, I think your tribe, you know, who you have, who you hold in your circle um, is of the utmost importance, right? So I've been able to lean on um, others for support. Uh, again, you know, I, I've, I've been very fortunate to work in an industry where I've had a lot of flexibility. Um, there was a point in time where I was a road warrior, where I did a lot of traveling, depending on the types of projects I was managing, you know, I had to do a lot of uh, international traveling, but I've, I've been very blessed to have an amazing support circle. And, and then also learning when my plate is full, right? So 
you know, very early on, it was a challenge to balance my plate, you know, it was always tipping over and running over. Um, but then I realized that, you know, my well-being, my emotional and spiritual well-being um, was more important than chasing the next client. Um, <laughs> so once I understood that, you know, things flowed a lot more smoothly. Um, but I, I'm a huge proponent of wellness, specifically um, mental wellness. It's it's very important that we take care of our minds, right? That we take care of our spiritual wellness um, and, and not just physically, right? Because most people associate wellness with just the physical components of our body, but, but we, but we miss the mental part. Talk about mental health and management. Mental health, you know, I, I, it's, you know, running your own business, um, being responsible for, you know, for other people, for other people's livelihood is a lot of stress, right? So, um, again, you know, back to the point I made earlier about learning how to ask for that additional help, you know, uh, being okay with, with saying no, you know, for a long time, <laughs> I said yes to everything. Cause I was afraid to lose on any opportunity. Um, you know, but it's okay to say no, you know, we, we, we are all humans, you know, we have a capacity, a maximum capacity that we can thrive, you know, effectively and learning what your threshold is. Um, and learning to be okay with that, you know, as, as women, I think we intentionally um, take on a lot because that's, you know, that's, that's just how we're made up, right? That's our, that's our DNA. We're, we're caretakers, we're, you know, nurturers. Um, and, and, and so we hold multiple jobs, right? <laughs> um, and so learning that, you know, sometimes saying no is, probably the best answer, right? And you know, that's real talk there, Ebony, because I'm thinking about when you were talking about, you know, being a woman-owned business and you're trying to scale and you're trying to know, should I take this one or should I not take this um, particular job? Because you do want to make the money right? trying to scale. So how do you balance that in terms of saying, I, I really need to scale, but mental health and self-care is so important. You know, I, I would say now I am, I have a much better grasp on determining, you know, what's a good fit. Um, and I, I kind of use that strategy across all lines, right? So not just on a professional level, but on a personal level also. So when I'm looking at taking on a new client or a new project, I'm, I'm always thinking long-term, right? So we always want immediate, you know, gratification or immediate results. But, I, but I'm thinking, okay, five to 10 years from now, will this partnership or will this relationship matter, right? Um and it's, you know, it should be reciprocal, you know, um, I, I should be gaining and benefiting as, as much as the other party. Um, and so there, there has been times where I've, you know, declined to take on a client because it just didn't fit 
what what was in my you know overall career goals um and I've never lost out you know like even though I think oh man you know I probably should have taken that something better always comes along <laughs> so I have never been without I've, I've been very blessed in that way we want to acknowledge our our audience and we just want to thank them for joining. And if, and if anyone has a question for myself or Ebony, feel free to let us know and we will let you chime in. Ebony, what is your weakness as an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. You know, I, I'm a big proponent of giving back, right? And in, um, if I can provide an opportunity for someone else, I never hesitate to do so. Um, but there's been times where uh, that hasn't worked out <laughs> in my behalf, you know. So for, you know, for example, I may, you know, run across a high school student or a college student, you know, looking for an internship or wanting, you know, a recommendation for a job or, you know, even I've hired people, um, you know, because I, I'm, I'm, you know, someone reached back for me, right? Someone gave me an opportunity. So I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to pay it forward. Um, but there has been times when that has not always worked. <laughs> and um, just because, you know, someone asks you for an opportunity doesn't mean that they're deserving of one. And so I've, I've learned to, um, allow people to show me, you know, if, if they're capable, right. Because my reputation is directly tied to that individual. Right. So I would never want to put my, my name on the line. Um, and then that, that person doesn't represent me well. What's your why, why are you doing what you do? Well, my first why I would say is to create, you know, generational wealth, right? Like that's, that's been a big buzzword, you know, over the last few years, uh, especially in our community, you know, we're always hearing about, you know, creating legacies, building generational wealth. Um, but that's very important to me, you know, previous generations, you know, owned land and, and we own businesses um, that we pass down through generations, but we don't really see that quite as often now. So I would say that was my biggest why um, is just to create my own wealth and be able to be my own boss. Speaking of legacy, when it's all said and done, how do you want Oh, I would love to be remembered as the woman who gave her all, you know, um, not afraid to take risks, not afraid to think outside the box, um, always giving, right? I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for a way to give back. And it doesn't always have to be financially, right? It can be having a conversation with someone, you know, showing someone, um, resources and tools to use, you know, just providing opportunity for someone else. So I would say that's how I would want to be remembered. Someone who was always giving. Talk to a younger Ebony. What advice would you give to a younger? 
Oh, man, I would definitely say, um, you know, believe in yourself. You know, you're you're worthy. You know, you're you're capable. You're intelligent. Um, you're loving. You're giving. And focus on your happiness and not what others want from you. I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Tell us a story around the worst moment in business and what was your takeaway? Oh, let me see. The worst moment in business. Um, I would say maybe the most disappointing moment would be launching um my nonprofit, the Embarcus Project, like right before COVID hit. So this was like late 2019 after I had founded the Embarcus Wellness Program. And I had <clears throat> started my partnership with Bowie State University to teach STEM. You know, I had wanted to, again, scale that, right? I was already developing and creating content and curriculum for Bowie State. But I was thinking, you know, how can I how can I make this scalable? So, you know, I was busy collaborating with, with my team who lived across the United States, um, responding to, you know, proposals and bids. And, and just when we were about to launch, <laughs> that's when, that's when the world shut down. So, I mean, that was, that was very disappointing. Um, it put, a huge roadblock in what I would have loved to create, you know, because I, 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 I wanted to marry the wellness with the STEM project. And I just knew it was going to be a, a success based on what we've been able to do with Bowie state. Um, so unfortunately that has yet to really take off. Um, it's been challenging trying to convert everything to a virtual platform. Uh, and sometimes you kind of lose the message, you know, with, with children, they, they, they need FaceTime, right? Like we have to physically be in their space. Um, so I would say for, for me, that's, that's probably been the biggest business moment that, that was a bit disappointing. What do you think the impact is going to be with the children and COVID-19 and the pandemic and not having that FaceTime? Well, I know for some, it's been very challenging. Um, you know, especially for those who come from households and communities where going to school was a safe haven, right? Being able to be away um, from a toxic home environment, you know, from those who depended uh, on going to school to eat every day, right? Um, you have those who come from households where, you know, they don't have access to internet. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's uh, various issues and, and challenges that have been associated and not just with those issues, but just with the physical interaction, right? Um, I think we, we've learned through this pandemic that, uh, you know, humans need touch, right? <laughs> um, 
that's how we survive, you know, not not being isolated. You know, so you have those those kind of challenges. You you have issues with um lack of, you know, lack of participation, you know. Um, even though kids love being on computers playing playing games, you know, it's 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 difficult to think that they can sit for hours in front of a device and still get the same um effective type of learning, right? And then, you know, for those after school programs also that were very integral um in the underserved community, you know, those those were all those were all taken away, you know, and so where did the children have to go, right? They they have no additional outlet from their home environment. So uh it's 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 been a lot of challenges, you know, especially for educators trying to navigate around that space. Um, hopefully things will change sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Give a plug for STEM. Why should we as parents, grandparents, aunts, friends, why should we really encourage our children, specifically our young girls to go into STEM? Uh, you know, STEM is the future. Um, any discipline related to science, technology, energy, and math, that, that is the wave of the future, right? And as we're seeing now, more more jobs, um, careers, even college degrees and programs are moving more towards technology. And I think initially it's always been a male dominated field. I mean, even, even for me being in the executive space, um, I'm typically one of very few women and then I'm almost always the only woman of color. Um, so, you know, I've always placed a huge emphasis, not only on, um, showing, you know, all of our children that, that there's numerous different industries in technology, but specifically our our young girls, because we don't push them to go into those particular fields. So um, I think that's very important. So you as a mother, what have you done to personally um, encourage your children? Well, you know, I, first of all, I, I, I try to determine what they have a passion for, right? So out of my four, I have one that is leaning towards the science field, right? He, um, he's a middle schooler, he's in the eighth grade, but he already has a knack for science, science and math. Um, but I always try to determine what, what, what their passion is, um, you know, because I think oftentimes, too, we think college is suited for everyone, right? But not every child um, even has a desire to attend college. So, you know, what other ways can we provide for them to obtain marketable skills, right? So that's the amazing thing about STEM is that you don't have to go to a four-year degree, uh, um institution, right? You you know, there's numerous different certifications you can have, you know, um, which which provides a greater opportunity for um, career growth. 
I want to open up to the audience. If there's a question someone have, feel free to let us know. Ebony, what have you not done in life that you dream about often that you would like to do? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I'm sure it's quite a few things. But um, you know what? I would love to um, play, to, to go back to being a classical musician. So back when I was in elementary school, I took up the violin. And I probably played that up into high school. Um, and then it was no longer cool, right? Um, playing an instrument wasn't cool. But it's always been a passion of mine. I love music. I love all genres of music. Um, but that's something that I always say that I would love to go back to playing. Yes. Ebony, I want you to have a monologue. And I want you to name this person living or not. And this person has inspired you so much. Name the person and what are you saying to that person? Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. Um, first and foremost, the first person that comes to mind is my mom. Um, My mom's name is Doris. Her first name is Doris. And mom, you have been my number one fan. Um, always pushing me uh, to think outside of the box, allowing me to be my authentic self, uh, loving me for who I am. Um, and always holding me in high regard, you know, you've never told me that there was nothing that I could achieve. And, and, and for that, um, you hold a special place in my heart. That was beautiful. So take a snapshot, Ebony, of the last 30 days. What was your biggest win? Oh, last 30 days. So we're into the new year. Um, Last 30 days. Oh, goodness. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, I can't. I don't. I don't really think I necessarily had any wins per se, but I definitely have been uh, thinking of ways to um, have additional streams. Right. So business opportunities, you know, so, so what other ways, you know, can I make myself more marketable? Um, and so I have decided to write a second edition to my book, which is called, um, so you want to be a federal contractor. I think I would love to take that and develop it into a, a full curriculum. You know, I've had friends and family always call me and ask me, you know, how do I become a vendor? You know, what, what government website do I need to sign up on? You know, how do I respond to proposals? Um, and so I, I would love to take all of that knowledge that, that I have and create an entire course. Awesome. Yeah, that would be great. So we do want to um, open up to see if anyone in the audience have a question for you before I move on. 
So Ebony, what would you say is your biggest challenge of being an entrepreneur? Oh, biggest challenge were probably, um, again, you know, uh, knowing how to scale my business. Um, I think initially, you know, as, as a small business owner, you know, I, I had an amazing launch, right? And then, you know, the first three years is probably just, you know, learning the market, doing a lot of um, business development and relationship building. Uh, and then it kind of comes to a plateau and you say, okay, how can I, you know, how can I become a multi-million dollar company? You know, what, what other avenues um, do I need to seek out? You know, are there any partnerships that I need to engage in? You know, should I be thinking about venture capital? Um, and so I'm I'm kind of at that place where I'm trying to determine, you know, which route to go. Um, I have developed an increased love for education. Um, I, I never foresaw myself as an educator. Um, but the work that I've been blessed to do with Bowie State um, has, has uh, I, I guess, sparked a new passion for me. So... My future plans are to, you know, really develop and, and, and hone in on some partnerships with some additional HBCUs um, so I can create and develop content that will be placed in the college curriculum. So I, I think that's that's kind of, you know, the area and the space that I see myself in. Who are your top two influencers? or mentors and what lessons did they teach you? Oh, let me see. Top two. Um, I would definitely say probably my first job at a consulting firm, um, Mr. Edwin Patton, he was a executive division director of a Fortune 500 consulting firm here in the Washington, D.C. area. And he always was kind enough to drop small gems. Um, if there was a meeting uh, that he was having that he thought that I should, you know, just kind of come and sit in, he would invite me to those. Um, he would give me books to read. You know, he would send me material uh, he would tell me different networking associations that I need to participate in. Um, and, and you know, he was um, a very integral part of me eventually stepping out on faith and um, opening up my own consulting firm. So Mr. Patton definitely was a huge influence. Um, and then let me think... Another influencer. Um, you know, there, there's another sister out of the Washington, D.C. area. Her name is Nick Colbert. She's um, an attorney by, by trade, but uh, she has an amazing portfolio. You know, she attended Harvard Business School. She served uh, on the Obama Foundation. Um, and she is someone that, 
you know, I, I strive to be in those circles. Um, she just launched a nonprofit with some other multi-million dollar women entrepreneurs. Um, and it's, you know, sort of like a think tank, you know, where come together and um, share, you know, ideas, you know, collectively on, on how to scale businesses for black women entrepreneurs. So um, I would say those two. That is awesome. And you talked about small gems with everything that you know, drop a small gem to the audience that you think that we should know. Ah, okay. So this is, this is something actually that my mother always taught me and she would always tell me, never be the smartest person in your circle, right? You, you always want someone who was smarter than you. And when I was younger, I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, but now I totally get it, right? So if you are the smartest person in your circle, right, you, you've kind of reached the max, right? So everyone is looking up to you, you know, to provide guidance and wisdom and, and support. But you always need someone who knows just a little bit more than you so you can also learn and be challenged. So, um when I speak to my young people, I, I always encourage them to have a diverse circle. Um, you know, have people that that have different experiences and background because you should always be learning from someone else. That was good. I like that. <laughs> so, Ebony, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question that you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. One question I would have asked myself. Um, hmm. Dr. Francis, you put me on a spot. I'm trying to think. Let me see. What question would I have asked myself? Um, I don't know. Maybe do I like what I do? You know, I I think, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves in professions or careers that we really don't like. You know, like it's, it's, it's not really a passion. Um, it's just maybe something that we've learned to do and we've learned to do it very well. Um, so we've been stuck in it, but I can definitely say for myself, I am living in my passion, right? So I, I, I live and breathe and, and, and speak, um, anything that is related to empowering youth and empowering our community. Um, that, that comes first and foremost before, uh, any type of government consulting that I do, right? So any, opportunity that I have um, to give back, to reach back. Um, I never hesitate to do so. That is awesome. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something that you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the rapid round of fun? Okay, let's do it. Your favorite color? Green. Your favorite holiday? Valentine's Day. 
your ideal car? Mercedes S-Class. Your first job? Ooh, McDonald's. <laughs> the last movie you saw? Oh, Spider-Man. You relaxed doing what? Listening to jazz music. Your favorite singer or rapper? Donny Hathaway. Your favorite dance song? Oh, goodness. Um, I can't think of the title, but it would definitely be uh, Afrobeat song by WizKid. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Chicken. Your favorite month? July. Work out or hit the couch? Work out. Ebony Kareem, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you. Absolutely. And, and Ebony, I'm sorry, feel free to leave all your social Okay, awesome. Um, so yes, I can be reached across all social media platforms at Ebony J. Kareem and at Embarcus Solutions. You can also reach me via website at www.embarcussolutions.com. Thank you, Ebony. That's a wrap. Thank you, Dr. Francis. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye.